Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Taylor Dammel. Alongside me is nobody. Um, by myself, ISO today. No Subi, no Shark, just me. No pillow, no blanket. Cold world. We're brought to you by the Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. A random college basketball player of the week is Quincy Doobie, Rutgers great, honoring Rutgers' uh, initial uh, 24th ranking here in the in the top 25 uh, for the first time in at least our lifetimes, I assume. So we hope Quincy Doobie subscribes, but you should too. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And you can follow us. At CBB Theater. You can also follow me at Taylor Dammel to find out where the feed is. Let's open the curtains. So let's dive into it today. Uh, no, like I said, no shark, no Subi. They left me here all alone out in the middle of nowhere to hopefully steer this uh, steer this ship into port all by my lonesome. Uh, speaking of steering ships into port, uh, this is not college basketball related at all, but 
Today is the anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. So if you do have a second, turn on some Gordon Lightfoot and uh, listen and enjoy uh, the wonderful song of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Well, let's dive into some college basketball news. The biggest news of the week is that uh, the AP released their initial preseason top 25 poll with Gonzaga coming in at the number one spot for the first time in school history, which is kind of surprising, I guess, that uh, it's the first time they've been ranked number one uh, in the preseason poll. You know, it seems like almost each and every year they spend number their time at number one. At some point during the season, um, I know last year they spent, I believe, three or four weeks at number one. Uh, but this year, you start off at the top. And it's interesting because, uh, as we'll talk about later on in the program, we do have an interview with good friend of the program, Cody Hoxie, who is a Duke fan. But one of the interesting things that we talked about is that Gonzaga has one hell of a schedule to start the season. They have Kansas, they have Auburn, they have Baylor, and they have Iowa, with three of those four coming on the road. And talk about not easing into your schedule at all and just resting on uh, that number one ranking. You know, one of the things that we often give Gonzaga uh, a you know, uh, you know, or we have a problem with uh, when it comes to them is, you know, they play nobody in conference. Well, in this shortened coronavirus season, playing four teams like that to start the season, if they win three, even three of those and swoop through the rest of their um, West Coast conference schedule, they'll have no problem getting a top seed or the overall top seed, even maybe over an undefeated team if you know, if we might happen to see one of those this season. So we do want to give Gonzaga some props uh, on hopping into a schedule and obviously them being number one in the country. Uh, Baylor, Villanova, Virginia also received some first place votes and they round out the top four with Iowa coming in at five, which we're very bullish on Iowa here on this, on this podcast, Uh, Virginia, Iowa, Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova, all returning, you know, the theme to them is they all have got a bunch of returners and they've all got a bunch of talent. Obviously, some great coaches there. Um, Fran McCaffrey being about the only coach involved there that, you know, hasn't coached at a super high level in the tournament. So it'll kind of remain to be seen how much success they're going to have this season because of that. But when it comes to their actual roster, all those dudes on that roster are like 24 years old. And the National Player of the Year, Luca Garza on that roster obviously bodes well for them. Uh, You got Kansas, Wisconsin, Illinois, Duke, and Kentucky rounding out the top 10. Some different stories with them, uh, especially as it relates to Kansas and Duke and Kentucky. A lot of newcomers there on those uh, three schools. Super talented, but, you know, not exactly the same type of one-and-done talent we usually see with with those schools. You're not going to have – they're not trotting out – six five stars at a time each of them has a couple five stars which is obviously great but no one that right now at this point you look at and goes oh man they're the number one pick in the draft or or anything like that at least as a freshman uh tennessee obviously i don't want to speak too much on them because that's sharks boys so i know he'll have a lot to say about that coming up a couple uh couple great programs sitting right behind them at Michigan State and Texas Tech, who we really like a lot on this show. 
Uh, I think some of the bigger surprises come down here a little lower. And I don't know if I want to say surprise because a lot of people are very high on Arizona State. They come in at 18th, and that's extremely high for them. Um, Bobby Hurley obviously has a great thing going just down the street from me here in Tempe, Arizona. And, you know, that's another kind of example of a school that and a coach that they they don't have a lot of success deep into the tournament. That might change this year. Uh, Shaka Smart coming in at Texas at, with, at number 19 there. Uh, right after Arizona State, as we point out later, uh, 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 like I said with Cody, uh, Shaka Smart has hair now, which is just an incredible look for him. And I don't mean incredible in a, in a good way necessarily. Uh, but they're right there. Uh, if they finish anything worse than that, especially outside of the top 25 or maybe without a tournament win this year, you got to think that Shaka might be done uh, in Austin. So that's definitely going to be a team to watch. LSU ended up finishing right outside the top 25. Florida right outside the top 25. Memphis and Florida, I should say, right outside the top 25 since we are a Memphis-based podcast, uh, both receiving 69 votes. Nice. Alabama, Indiana, Louisville. A little surprised that Louisville didn't get a little more love on on the voting here, Um, but... That being said, they did lose a lot from last year. Would hate to leave Providence and their nine votes off this list as well. So those are the initial, you know, some of the the teams that caught me in the initial top 25 rankings. Uh, You know, I'm not a big Gonzaga fan, as uh, most of you know, if you've listened to this podcast uh, before, which I'm sure you have because you subscribe weekly, but uh, it's no surprise that at some point they had to reach number one uh, at some initial uh, preseason ranking. So good on them for doing that and good on them for uh, starting off the season, which with incredibly tough games on the schedule. Now I'd be remiss if I didn't also bring up that Baylor is playing a similarly tough schedule to Gonzaga as well. Uh, They start the season with Arizona state. They also play number two Villanova. They play at Seton Hall. They play Illinois. They and they play Gonzaga as well, like we previously mentioned. So that is another phenomenal start to the season, and it, it's great to see these schools that, given the limited timelines that they have, are throwing, if they can at least, as many tough games into their uh, out of conference schedule as possible. Uh, moving on to another story that we had this week, uh, our boy Tom Izzo, Michigan State's head coach. Uh, contracted coronavirus this week, and uh, he'll be away from the program for a number of weeks here. Uh, Obviously, we wish him well, and we fortunately have seen a number of college football coaches and just other coaches from all over the uh, athletic world contract coronavirus and ended up being uh, recovering from that. So, uh, of course, we hope the same for Tom Izzo, but you know it begs the question going forward. Really, is uh, that's going to be just like in any sport? What is the effect of that? You know, if not now, because obviously it's preseason and you can still uh, get a lot done with your assistant coaches, Zoom meetings, things like that. You know, but what happens heading into the Big Ten tournament if uh, you know a coach gets coronavirus, and how does that affect the team going forward? You know, I. I, I hate to always 
talk too much about Arizona, but there was uh, a couple, two or three years ago when Lorenzo Romar was uh, uh, our assistant coach and Sean Miller sat out a game uh, because of the FBI investigation, allegations, whatever. And, uh, you know, we thought, oh, okay, well, we got another solid, strong assistant coach. Uh, should be no problem. Well, it was a problem. Our team looked exactly like all of the Lorenzo Romar coach teams at Washington when he came in and played, which resulted in a loss. So uh, even though you might really rely heavily on your great assistant coaches, um, what makes these guys like Izzo and Shashevsky and Self and all these guys great is they are, you know, who they are. Uh, we are who they thought they were. And um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, of course, we, like I said, we hope nothing but the best for our boy Tom Izzo, as he is probably our most uh, mutually loved, I guess we could say loved, uh, coach on this program. Hate to belabor the coronavirus uh, talk, uh, but uh, uh, Minnesota also closed down their athletic facilities this week because of some tests and, um, you know, some other news regarding that as well. Duke is not going to have any fans at Cameron Indoor this year uh, because of coronavirus. And that really is goes to, you know, begs the question again, kind of going off that same point we made with Tom Izzo. Uh, you know, about coronavirus just in general, but which teams are going to have the best coaches and the more depth where having fans in the, or no fans in the crowd, does it matter to them? Does it not? Obviously a place like Duke, they might have the best home court advantage in the country. So you would imagine that, that they're going to be affected uh, negatively because of that. Uh, whereas there are schools that don't have any fans to show up anyway. So their home court advantage might not be any different at all. So no fans at Cameron Noonendor is kind of big news uh, just because it's kind of the home of college basketball, as we all know. Now, one of the things that will be hosted at Cameron Indoor this year is one leg of the Champions Classic. Now, usually the Champions Classic is held, I believe it's been held in Indy before. I think it was at the United Center in Chicago one year. Uh, this year, they're going to split it. Um, Kansas and Kentucky are going to play in Indiana, or in Indianapolis, I should say, uh, which is the home of the Final Four this year as well, might I add. And uh, Michigan State and Duke are going to play Cameron Indoor. I find it you know, pretty interesting that they're going to uh, split that up. I uh, thought it, we could have gotten a good example of what the college basketball bubble might have looked, looked like if they would have played it in the same location. Um, but obviously, no need to risk that so early in the season with teams cross-contaminating and all of that. Um, so that is one major game that uh, Cameron Indoor is going to host that they weren't necessarily planning on hosting. Obviously, no fans there. Now, I do want to address a, 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 an interesting quote I saw today, uh, or just a few days ago, I should, see, I should say, I've, uh, one of our maybe most hated college foot or college basketball referees ted valentine uh tv ted as he's known around college basketball he came out and said today that he feeds or earlier this week that he just feeds off of the crowd and that he feels like he's on stage every time that he's refing a college basketball game and those guys are just the fucking worst you know the refs who 
they they just pause, block, charge, and they sit there. It seems like it takes for five seconds, but really it probably only takes a quarter of a second. And they put their hand back as, as it looks like they're going to call a charge, and then they hack the waist, and it's a block. Now, that's a, that's a classic Ted Valentine move. And I think it's interesting that he came out and said uh, that, that he actually feels like that, that he actually does feed off the crowd, and that is something that he uh, – that he embraces and gets a high on. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing though. Cause you think like, okay, well, if the teams are playing frantically because of a home court advantage situation or a home court advantage, you know, negative, I guess to, to the other team, but you know, that's, you know, that's acceptable. But if the refs are playing off that to that huge of a degree too, you you probably love it if you're the home crowd, but probably not so good if you're the uh, if you're the away team. Um, it it it's just uh, I think it's absurd that he would admit this though, especially because that's kind of what he's known for. Um, he did point out specifically that he's loved Purdue's Mackey Arena, uh, big floor, big apron, big sideline. You're not running into people. He also loves Vanderbilt as well. This has got to be the third or fourth of the last five episodes that we've talked about Vanderbilt's court. He says he specifically loved Vanderbilt's court because the coaches are on the baselines and um, and the, the arena, or excuse I should say the floor is just huge, a lot of room to spread out. So pretty, pretty notable stuff from TV Ted. Um, he said that on uh, rival podcast uh, that Robbie Hummel and uh, Jeff Goodman host. So uh, I, I, I maybe we'll try and get Ted on here, TV Ted, to, to hop on here with us as well. See if maybe he can enlighten us on some more uh, arenas that he enjoys or hates. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff from TV Ted there. Now, last but not least, before we hop into our interview with Cody Hoxies, we do want to look to wish Bill Walton a happy 68th birthday here this week. Uh, Perhaps my favorite announcer along with Gus Johnson in the sport. You either love or you hate Bill Walton. There's really no in-between. Personally, you know, I love him. My mother hates him for whatever that's worth. I know we have a lot of love for him, mostly on this program, and especially from Subi and I, considering nobody reps the Conference of Champions better than Bill Walton. So happy birthday to, to Bill Walton. But without further ado, here's our man from North Pole, Alaska. Resident Duke fan, I guess, on this program, let's call him our boy Cody Hoxie. And now we'd like to welcome to the program one of our show's very best friends, a North Pole, Alaska resident. Someone I grew up with and I've probably watched almost as much basketball with as anyone in the world, and that's Cody Hoxie Code, our resident Duke fan. How's everything going today? It's going good. Uh, college basketball is right around the corner, so uh, how can you not be excited about that? Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, let's because you started out right off with that. Let's let's talk about that. How do you think this season, just in general, is going to go? Um, you know, obviously pros are that the season is coming back and, uh, you know, a couple early season tournaments have been, you know, canceled and moved around and stuff. But do you foresee the season, 
going as smoothly as possible from there, or are you just kind of riding the wave, seeing how it's all going to go? Uh, I just think we need to uh, when it, when we have college basketball, we got to enjoy it because we have no clue how long we're going to have it. Um, we got spoiled all these years of having it, and then February, March, it went away. So uh, college football is going through the same thing. So we're scheduling games right now, so. I'm just going to enjoy it as long as we have it. So uh, that's one game, three games. Try not to get too excited because I know it can be taken away quickly, but let's hope we get to March and finish March this time. So speaking of March, what do you think the tournament would have been like or I guess probably will be like this coming year without fans? You know, obviously we've seen the NBA go through a bubble situation. uh, So we kind of know what basketball looks like without fans, but Again, are you just kind of same thoughts? As long as it's on, then you're happy. Yeah, as long as we have basketball, fans or no fans, uh, fans are definitely uh, make a huge, huge um, contribution to the game that, that players didn't think they had. Uh, it's a harder to get amped up in the game when you don't have 30,000 uh, fans screaming your name or against your name. So it's hard to get hyped uh, when it's just all on you. And um, the, that's where the coaches are going to have to be a – even bigger role for their teams this year. And then uh, you got these freshmen. It's going to be a lot easier to go into some of these uh, arenas not having these fans scream your name. So you take that first shot and you don't hear a bunch of boos. A lot easier to take that second shot, third shot, fourth (laughs) shot now. Oh, yeah, especially on teams that are so reliant uh, on their freshmen, you know, the Kentuckys or Dukes or whatever the world, you know, the, the reasons that they get upset a lot of times is because they go on the road, to hostile environments, just like you said, so on and so forth, and they get rattled and have a bad game. So do you think teams like the Dukes and the Kentuckys and just, the, you know, the, the good teams of the world uh, are going to be a little more successful than normal this year because of that? Or do you think that in the end, it's really just going to be the best team, the best players are going to win? I don't know. I think it's going to help and hurt Duke. So when you're at home, you don't have that Duke crowd to go back. When teams usually in the last four, four to five minutes, they just falter because that Duke crowd is getting loud and crazy and whatnot. But then you go where Duke is the biggest draw for all these teams. That's when they're selling out all these games. It could be the fucking team that they just lost to last year with the chainsaws. Like that team sells out. Like all these teams, teams just sell out when Duke. The lumber, the the lumberjacks. You mean? Yes, the lumberjacks. <laughs> the team with the chainsaws. Okay. <laughs> yeah, try to forget the, the awful, probably the worst day of my life. Uh, besides when we got basketball canceled, but uh, yeah, so I think it's gonna be a, a benefit and not so. Um. Yeah, so. Are they, do we know, uh, I know that each individual team is doing things differently. uh, Duke just said that there weren't going to be any fans at Cameron this year. Um, Do we know, do do you know off the top of your head, or have you seen which teams in the ACC specifically might have fans? I can't remember uh, which ones may or may not at this point. I do not. uh, You might know better uh, with football. I don't know if some fans in the ACC are allowing fans and some aren't. Like, I don't know if Duke's allowing fans at football and UNC's allowing football. I'd guess it's a lot easier to allow people at football games, a lot more seats, a lot you can spread them out a lot more. Uh, but I do not know, and it could change tomorrow uh, if they let fans in or not, don't have fans for the rest of the year. 
um, that's what this year it's going to be all about. Changing, going with the flow, changes. <laughs> you know, I, I probably, considering the fact that I host a college basketball podcast, probably would have been a good thing, good thing for me to look up before asking that question. But, you know, I, you know like you said, I'll, I'll just blame it on the year that we have going on right now. So you just said that, that what, you know, losing to uh, the Lumberjacks, uh, Stephen F. Austin last year was one of the worst days of your Duke career. What what was one of your favorite Duke memories? Or, you know, maybe just one or a handful of them, maybe. Um, winning a couple of championships wasn't too bad. Actually, I uh, watched uh, one. In okay, the let's college. get some. Let's get like some maybe more off the radar ones, you know, not like, oh, well, though obviously winning the championship is, is kind um, of a high point. A couple that come to mind is uh, last year. I know UNC was awful last year, but that great comeback uh, when UNC couldn't make a free throw, uh, the Austin Rivers shot. That was an awesome game. Um, just uh, Or the uh, Louisville comeback a couple years ago uh, when Louisville shit the bed and uh, Zion and the boys came back. So that's uh, just something that comes straight to my mind right now besides the national championship games. You know, can you guess what my favorite Duke memory is? Uh, the one uh, I did not watch it with you because I was at my own apartment, probably about 50 feet down the hall where um, we lost to you guys. And uh, every just single got year... This, my... Just got the shit kicked out of you by Derek Williams and Jamel Horn, of all people. Jamel Horn. <laughs> So the tough year to live in Arizona every single year. Facebook reminds me about that game because about 20 people commented on me about how I do got their ass hammered. So, uh, you know, looking forward to this year, potentially some uh, some upcoming um Duke memories to make here. What do you think of Duke's team this year? Um, you know, as of late, They've had very young teams, and that seems to be a you know another theme with what's going to be happening this year. Uh, it are you a little worried about maybe uh, a lack of uh, you know senior leadership on the team? You know, Goldwire is kind of their only senior. You know, they have a transfer from Columbia that's a redshirt senior big man, but they really don't have a ton of uh, of old players on this team. Shoot, Matthew Hurt is really kind of their oldest leader on the team. Do you think that's going to uh, harm them at all this year? Uh, I think it's going to show up or, uh, in the early. It's going to hurt. But um, we don't play uh, for the first game. We play from March to hang the next banner up. So as the year goes on, the freshmen uh, will become sophomores very quickly when they play all these big games. Though so They got uh, a few big uh, games. and uh, So I think they'll grow up quickly. But yeah, uh, Jordan Goldwire is going to have to, he's going to be the team huddler. Like uh, every team has to have that one guy like, hey guys, let's huddle up. Jordan Goldwire is going to have to get that when he's out there. And um, Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore are going to have to be sophomores for real this time. Uh, they had, they showed some glimpses um, last year. Uh, Wendell Moore had the huge uh, game-winning bucket against UNC, so he'll never have to buy anything in his, in his life in uh, North Carolina again. Uh, but, um, yeah, they are going to be young, but at, come March, they'll be just like half the, half the country. So there's a number of like, notable teams this year that are kind of in the same boat. Uh, you know, like we previously mentioned, Kentucky is just like that, but they're always like that. 
uh, Duke. Kansas is kind of a little bit of an unknown this year in the same regard, but you know some of the better teams in the country, and especially in the AGC, ACC, people like Virginia. Kihei Clark is still at Virginia, and and guys like that. Uh, uh, Virginia is kind of the odds-on favorite to win the conference at this point. Do you see anyone else uh, in the conference right now that would challenge Duke or Virginia uh, for the title, the ACC title, or those are two, or those two just kind of head and shoulders above everybody else? I would say uh, Duke and Virginia are the main teams, but Roy Williams. He's always got a group of kids. And then uh, everyone always forgets uh, about uh, Florida State and Leonard Hamilton. And um, I don't think you can ever count those out, those guys out either. So uh, it's going to be a crapshoot just like it is every year. But uh, I like our chances. Yeah, you know, Florida State really, we've talked about this on multiple episodes previously. You know, they're really one of the, if not the singular, most underrated program in terms of success in the country. Uh, they're They've. They have like the third most ACC titles and uh, they really kind of finish sneaky in the top four, top five in the conference almost every single year. Uh, They have uh, a lot of uh, old depth on their roster too. They're going to start two seniors and two registered juniors. Um, And like I said, with uh, Virginia, they have Kihei Clark, who's a junior. They have one of the Hauser brothers who, even though he hasn't been with uh, Virginia you know, for more than this year, you know, senior Jay Huff is still there. He seems like he's been there forever. Uh, exactly. It's definitely gonna, yeah, it's definitely going to be tough for that uh, Duke team to get it, you know, to, and maybe a little more so difficult in these years because, um, or in this year compared to others, because you just aren't going to have as much time to grow up as in other years, you know, you're not going to play a bunch of San Jose states and Moorhead states and all these stuff to kind of at least, you know, get your feelers out there. We're looking at playing only, you know, 20 something games this year. So that'll be really interesting to me. Uh, you know, with teams like Duke, for example, of, of how those, how quickly those guys grow up. Now, yeah, when you look at, or go ahead. Yeah. These guys are getting thrown right into the fire this year. Like there's no, Oh, we got a bunch of warm up games till the ATC. It, it's coming quick. It's coming quick this year. So um, we, we playing a couple of the tournaments and uh, uh, for what do we got? Like Michigan State, Iowa, a couple games. So um, they're they're gonna grow up in those games and the ATC uh, schedule's right there. So uh, it's gonna be interesting. So have you looked much at um, uh, at the the top twenty five? Um, at this point yet i know it just came out uh yesterday or two days ago when when this podcast uh goes live uh is there a team you know like you just said with duke duke plays illinois and michigan state both two highly rated teams uh you know that are not in the acc but then outside of that they dive right in is there any team uh that kind of caught your eye in the top 25 that you thought, oh, well, they're too high or, oh, they're too low, or maybe even you just looked at him and said, man, I don't know a fucking thing about that team. Um, I tell you who we're going to learn about real quick is Gonzaga. Jeez, not only are they the number one rated team, but three of their four, first four games are uh, playing uh, preseason top six teams, so I think we're going to learn a well, lot about and, them. Well, and, and Auburn, who yeah. 
is no slouch. I'm sure we'll talk about that with uh, best friend of the program, uh, you know, Auburn's director of basketball operations there, Mike Burgermaster, that Auburn's not even ranked and they still went to a final four two years ago. So yeah, you're completely exactly. right in that. You're going to, you're going to learn real quick. If Gonzaga's for real, and that could, it's good. It, they could be out almost like, I don't want to say out of the tournament, but they could lose a real high ranking. You drop a few of those games because they're conferencing. They're not going to get, pick up too many win, great wins there. So, and then uh, other thing is Iowa. I was, I know you guys are all about Iowa. Turned a bunch of star uh, starters. I think everyone, right? Yeah, uh, Bohannon got hurt last year, um, and so he uh, was one of those guys that got a, a waiver after he got hurt. So he's a redshirt senior. Yeah, so um, and then, yeah, I mean, everybody on that team is a redshirt senior, redshirt sophomore, a senior, whatever. You know, obviously, Luke and, Garza, and a player, arguably, the, yeah, and yeah, a player of the mm-hmm. year candidate doesn't hurt either. So. Well, he's more than just a candidate, really. You oh, know, yeah, he's, so, he's, probably the, he's probably the leader. <laughs> well, and then you got the two McCaffrey brothers too. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we're like you said, we're very bullish on them on this show. Um, I, I, I guess really their only detractor is you know we haven't seen Fran McCaffrey coach a ton of super high level games or super high level tournament games. Um, obviously he's been there for a long time as a well-seasoned college basketball coach. Uh, do you have any feelings on his ability to push them over the top? Or do you think that this is just his first opportunity to have this much, this much talent, you know, let me emphasize this much talent, like literal all Americans that, you know, he, he might actually take them over the top because he's actually given the opportunity this time. Um, in the year 2020, why not Iowa winning it all? Like everything else is surprised, so why not Iowa going out? And it really wouldn't surprise us. I know um, on a couple, I don't know if it was the last show or the previous show before that, but a lot of people are down on Iowa, which is just crazy to me because they're the defensive metrics, but they're high in all these kids they've never seen play above high school basketball. Like that makes absolutely no sense to me. It's like, yeah, like we've talked about on here before, like you said, you, you know, some teams, people are like, oh, well, they just are who they are, forgetting that, like, everyone's still only 19 or 20. When we say yeah. veteran about ba- college basketball players, that means they're only 21, you know, or 22. So, obviously, there's a lot of room to grow. Um, but I, I want to go back to what you said about Gonzaga there real quick, if I may. Um, this might be the year that Gonzaga doesn't have, like, a top three seed. And maybe that's kind of what you were getting at as well. Exactly. I, I think they're probably going to win th- at least two of the three games that they're playing. But theoretically, if they lost all three, there would be no reason to put them above uh, you know, any other team that won a, any legitimate out-of-conference game at all. Because they exactly. would have... Yeah. Uh, I mean, who I, I don't even... I I don't even know enough about the West Coast Conference to know who else is going to be good this year. BYU, I guess, maybe. I I, I don't know. Yeah, St. Mary's yeah. all, always, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I so, like the, any, I like, or, go ahead. I like I like them challenging themselves, but you could you better win at least two of the three games, and you better have a damn good year because if you go zero and three, which I doubt they will, or. But that's gonna that's gonna sting because it's gonna be hard to pick up key wins uh, out of conference because you're not playing many conference out of conference games. Oh, 100 percent. So another team that uh, you know you know a little bit about, uh, not necessarily a ton about though, is uh, 
is Texas. And I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you about how Texas is going to play this year, other than they have a, an Alaskan on their team in, in, uh, in Kameka Hepa from Barrow. But the big thing I want to uh, ask you is, did you see that Shaka Smart has hair now? I don't know. Uh, he hasn't done anything. Maybe it'll help him get anything in Texas. Dog, it's crazy. He looks like a completely different person. He's crazy. Yeah, I mean, this is, it, it, he's he's really going, as uh, Subi tweeted out on the Theater and College Hoops account earlier, uh, he's really doing anything and everything to change his uh, his luck there at Texas. So What a disappointment uh, that, that entire school is. <laughs> yeah, no, another thing. Oh yeah, no, I, they're they're a complete. Uh, I don't want to say a disaster of an athletic department. I know I I kind of beat a dead horse on this program by talking about how how bad they are in comparison to how good they should be across the board athletically. You know, and if yeah. you look at um, like our college basketball power rankings from, from over the summer, and uh, of course in college football as well, and even in baseball, you know, they're, they're a top 20 all-time program or top 25 all-time program across all three of those sports. But you still think they should be way higher than they are at, at, in all of those sports. You and I have both been to Austin, and, and I think it should be pretty easy to recruit people to come to that place. <laughs> Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You could recruit me. Go back there tomorrow. No, exactly. no, no problem. Exactly. No problem. If they if they need a water boy, I, I'm a, I'm I'm their shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about you. Actually, so um, you live in North Pole, Alaska. We both grew up in North Pole, Alaska. Uh, how did you become a Duke fan in the first place? Um, so I used to go to Florida every single March, and uh, none of my family really liked uh, basketball, but my grandpa would always have uh, college basketball games on, and uh, usually I'd always go for his team, and uh, we are just watching a game of it. I'm going to go against my grandpa's team that he's rooting for, and uh, ended up being Duke, and uh, ended up being pretty good, so uh, it worked out well for me. So it's uh, essentially the same, the same, it's the same story that you and I have with the Red Sox and the Yankees, essentially, huh? Exactly. But in reverse. Okay. Yeah. It's great when they win, but it's tough when they lose because there's a lot of flack. And especially being a Yankees fan, people are like, oh, of course you're a Duke fan, or of course you're a Yankees fan because the two greatest programs in college baseball, I mean, college basketball and uh, baseball. So it's uh, it's great when they win, and uh, it's tough when they lose because the two teams everyone hates. Code, according to our college basketball manifesto, they're a top five program. But yes, you sure, we'll give you that close enough well i guess last but not least anything else you got going on coming up obviously uh we're doing this a little later than than usual tonight because you uh have a i guess we'll still call brooklyn a newborn but any any anything else coming up in the life of cody hoxie we need to know about uh no i think my daughter is going to learn a lot of choice words for this basketball season already had her uh when the top 25 rankings came out had to put in her duke onesie and uh yeah she Sure. Uh, she's going to learn a lot of words, and my wife's going to yell at me a bunch. Hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth, probably waking up from a couple naps. So, do better play good for the for my uh, daughter's sleep and uh, for me not getting yelled at by my wife. <laughs> hey, man. I, I, I think that's the only way to end it right there. The life and times of a true college basketball fan in a COVID in a newborn plus COVID environment. So, well, thanks code. Appreciate you being on the program. Uh, always appreciate you being 
a loyal listener of the program, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on soon, especially. Actually, we're not going to have you back on soon if Duke's winning a lot, but if they lose a couple, we'll definitely have you back on then. All right. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, hopefully I come back on, but hopefully we're not losing a lot. And uh, thanks for having me on, and I uh, can't wait to keep on listening to you guys. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Now we want to thank Code again for joining the program uh, from the snowy north. Uh, we forgot to mention that it did snow something like 18 inches there in the last three days. So winter is very much upon them. I'm glad that they even had internet going up there, uh, given the <laughs> given that uh, all the poles and shit could have fallen down. Um, so moving on to a couple segments before we round some things out here, uh, I want to do a where am I, which uh, I haven't necessarily thrown a where am I in in a long time. And I hate to, to throw a bone to the school down the road for me, but I'm going to go with former ASU player Carrick Felix. If you remember Carrick Felix, he played at ASU uh, from – Oh, 2010 to 2013. He was a JUCO transfer. He's from here in Goodyear, Arizona. Um, he bounced around, kind of playing, had some opportunities in the league, in the G League. Uh, in between one season, uh, he actually started, uh, I should say, in between one G League season, he started an app, uh, kind of like an Uber for recreational equipment, like jet skis and ATVs and four-wheelers and things of that nature. Um, and now he is the founder and director of IMC Elite Coaching. IMC Elite Coaching is for successful men who want to balance life but won't sacrifice that life for success. Through self-discovery, emotional empathy, and healthy relationships, we set out to teach each individual the mindset and tools it takes to achieve their highest level of success. We all have a unique story to tell, a unique path to travel that maps out your journey to success. So, Crick Felix, just a, a motivational life coach here, I guess, trying to better, trying to better the people, the 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 people around him, the 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 men seemingly who want to be uh, both successful but and have a great work life balance as well. So there you go, Crick Felix, ASU grad and uh and has his master's from asu as well uh, i think he was all pack 12 uh his senior year he was second team all pack 12 he was also the pack 12 scholar athlete of the year and was first team pack 12 uh academic team as well so that's our where am i shout out to Carrick felix i don't want to call him my boy because he went to asu but we'll say our our collective boys program here uh, i want to give a a hug uh, to another friend of the program, J.D. Wise, former Wisconsin basketball great. It was his birthday yesterday. I uh, hope to have him back on the program soon to discuss Wisconsin coming up this year, especially given their high ranking going into the year, and just to see the state of his world, see everything he's got going on. So a hug to J.D. Wise. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I wish I could say us, but joining me here on Theater and College Hoops. Hopefully we'll have a, a little more banter on the next episode and not just me uh, talking and rambling to myself. And I will cut my rambling off and say have a good time or have a good day, and we'll check you later.
legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well seasoned. Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms when they left fully loaded for Cleveland. Then later that night when the ship's bell rang, could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? Tattletale sound And the wave broke over the railing And every man knew as the captain did too T'was the witch of November come stealing The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait When the gales of November came slashing When afternoon came it was freezing rain in the face of a hurricane west wind When supper time came The old cook came on deck Saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you p.m. a main hatchway gave in He said, fellas, it's been good to know ya The captain wired in, he had water coming in And the good ship and crew was in peril And later that night when his lights went out of sight Came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Does anyone know where the love of God goes When the waves turn the minutes to hours The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay If they'd put 15 more miles behind her They might have split up or they might have capsized They may have broke deep and took water all that remains is the faces and the names Of the wives and the sons and the daughters Lake Huron Rose, Superior Sings 
in the rooms of her ice water mansion. Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams. The islands and bays are for sportsmen. And farther below Lake Ontario takes in what Lake Erie can send her. The iron boats go as the mariners all know with the gales of November remembered. Gives up her dead when the gales of November come early. 